Om Om Sahana Bhavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahaviryam Karabhavahai Tejasvinavati Tamastamavid Vishavahai Om Shanti Shanti Okay. Welcome everyone to today's class. Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, class 62. The Yoga of Renunciation of Action in Wisdom. We're on topic 4, the 12 Yagniyas, 12 Sacrifices. I'm going to cover verse 27 and 28. Any questions before we begin? So, when we worship gods, with an S, this is objective worship. What does that mean, objective worship? What is objective worship? With a purpose. With a purpose, okay. Anybody else? What is objective worship? Gods is Devi's and, um, you know, what we say, uh, Shiva, deities, yeah, murtis, temples. We go there to worship gods. So with objective worship, you need an object. You need an idol to remind you of God. You need a place to remind you of God. Either an idol in the temple or in the home, or sometimes a wonder of the world. You see Niagara Falls, you say, wow, it's amazing. Reminds you of something higher. Ooh, wonder who created that? Reminds you of God. Mount Everest reminds you of God. So you need these idols. You need this wow factor to remind you of God. This is gross, gross worship. Nothing wrong with it, by the way. It all depends where you are. As you become more spiritually developed, as you evolve by gaining knowledge, knowledge of the self, your true being, Atman, Brahman, you need less of an expression. You don't need an Niagara Falls. You cut a mango and you eat it and you think, what an amazing fruit. Only God could have made that. Little things remind you. Wordsworth saw a host of daffodils in the Lake District, and it reminded him of God. You see the birds flying, makes you think of God. Sunrise makes you think of God. As you get more and more evolved spiritually, you don't even need that. We are talking subjective worship now. Worship is within us. More subtle, internal worship. You, do, you don't need an idol or a wonder to think of God or any object. As we covered in the last couple of classes, 
What makes me smell? A perfume, what makes me smell? Touch, what makes me see? What makes me taste? What makes me hear, listen to this music? This makes you think of God. Now it's become subjective. That consciousness, the Atman within, the God, the God principle within, that allows me to do this. This is what we're talking about in this topic. All our actions are converted to worship. Ultimately, everything is Brahman. Everything is God. But the more spiritually evolved, the less of an expression you need to think of Brahman, of God. God, Atman, Brahman is the same thing. Father in heaven, Allah, all means the same thing. Any questions there? Yeah. And this is what we're trying to learn through knowledge of the self, knowledge of Brahman. And as we covered, the two main aspects of yajna, the 12 yajnas we're covering, are the offering and the kindling. When you do a yajna, fire, fire worship, fire, uh, fire worship, you have the wood in there, you light a fire, you put in grain, you put in ghee, and the flame flies, goes up. When the flame goes up, you're being blessed by the fire god. This is what we're doing. This process helps us think of God, God Yagni. But as we said, prayer has to be constant. You can't just do it for a few minutes. You have to do it every day, all the time. So this 12 Yagniyas, this concept allows us to think of Brahman in all actions, whatever we are doing. Every action is converted into a yajna, a worship. And that's what we're doing. Any, any questions? Everyone on the same page? Great. So we're going to start verse 27. Sarvanindriya karmani Prana karma nicha pare Atma samyama yoga no Juvati nyana deepite Sarvanindriya karma ni Prana karma nicha pare Atma samyama yoga no Juvati nyana deepite Others sacrifice all the functions of the senses and the functions of the vital airs into the fire of yoga of self-control, kindled by wisdom. I'll repeat, others sacrifice all the functions of the senses and the functions of the vital airs into the fire of yoga of self-control, kindled by wisdom. So this next yajna is the yoga of self-control. Ravi, have you got the um, diagram still up? Yeah, can I just put it up for me, please? We're going for this uh, 12 yajnas, which are represented okay. in this diagram. Yeah, give me a couple of minutes. I'll yeah, no problem. So this next yajna, yoga of self-control means, what does yoga mean, by the way? What does yoga mean? We said 
before, not the uh, yoga Neelam teachers. What does yoga mean? What does yoga mean? Anyone? Yoga means to join. To join means you're separated. Why would you want to join? Join means you've separated. Separated from what? Anyone? Yeah, Vanita? From the self. From the self, Brahman. You are the body, the mind, intellect, and the self. Atman, spirit, whatever you wouldn't like to call it. But you've forgotten the spirit, you've forgotten Brahman. So any attempt to become one with Brahman is called yoga. Sharing the screen now. Yeah, thank you. So we covered limited ideal, absolute ideal, we covered. Last week we covered stimuli and response from the world and perceptions we perceive with our five sense organs and restraint, how to control those. Today, we're doing number five, six, seven, eight, and nine. The yoga of self-control. Yeah, everyone has got this, yes? Either in their book or we WhatsApp it to you. Yeah, thank you, Ravi. So any attempt to get back to the self is called yoga in Sanskrit and religion in English. The word religion is made up of two Latin terms, re lagare. Re means back again. Lagare means to join. Therefore, it means to join back again, which is what we're trying to do through these classes to learn about Brahman. Yeah. Any questions? Everyone understand? Shashi? Yeah. You've separated by doing yoga, you're wanting to join back again. So in this verse, the offering here is the functions of the organs of perception and action. So you're offering the ghee and the grain is the functions of the organs of perception and action. And the kindling is self-realization. So it says here, organs of perception, indriya karmani. Organs of action, prana karmani. So, organs of perception, what are they? We covered last week. What are the organs of perception? We perceive the world. Yeah, Vanita? Touch, smell, see, sight, um, taste. Nose takes in smell, ears take in sounds. Eyes take in color and form, tongues taste, takes in taste and touch, feel. These organs take in perceptions from the world. Correct? Then organs of actions, prana karmani, feet, hand, arms, speech, organs of evacuation and organs of regeneration. With these organs, we respond back in the world, correct? So those are the organs we have to contact the world. So what this verse is saying, 
You sacrifice these organs in the fire of yoga of self-control. I know it sounds complicated. So these organs are the ahuti, the grains, the ghee, which you put in the fire. And what is kindled? The fire is self-realization. It's hard to understand. Any idea what that means? Any idea? Can you say that again? Any idea what that means? Um, you sacrifice these organs in the fire of yoga of self-control, meaning you sacrifice these organs. And what is kindled is self-realization. So you're basically taking away, well, you're sacrif not sacrificing, but you're detaching from all the outer things of the world to mm. bring in what's within. Yeah, you, you've, got, you've got the gist of it. So when they say here, yoga of self-control, means controlling and shifting the mind's focus from worldly pursuits to the pursuit of the self. So you're controlling your organs of action and perception, shifting the focus from the world to the self within. It is with these organs that you contact the world. So if you withdraw these organs from the world, from worldly activities, then eventually your interest in the world dies away. Your vasanas for the world, your desires die away. And then with self-control, you direct these organs inwards. And if you do that, eventually you reach self-realization. This is what it's saying in this verse. I told you this topic is not the easiest topic to understand. It takes a bit of thinking. Any questions? This is the, in a nutshell, what it means, this uh, verse. Yeah, so. So when you talk about um, yoga of self-control, mm. we have to contact the world. Mm. Uh, and and um, it's through, the organs of action that we do contact the world. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, is it that whatever I'm doing with my organs of action, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not worried about the end result, I'm just acting because I have to act. Mm -hmm with keeping the focus with it, because we can't give up action. No. So uh, I'm, I'm in a sense, you know, it's difficult to say, mm -hmm. concentrate on the self. Mm -hmm. if, if, if we're thinking about so an action that I might be performing, for example, speech, right? Um, that might be perceived by somebody in, in a negative way or a positive way. Yeah, my intention was to say what I needed to say or had to say, but the perception of the individual is different to what I meant. So in that sense, that although I'm, 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 I'm a bit confused as to how you can gain something. Oh, okay, not to worry. Let's finish 
this verse and next verse, you may it may be self-explanatory. Yeah. See, when you talk to anyone, it's not what they think of you, it's what you're saying. Yeah, just to clarify that. Yeah, what words are you using? Are you angry? You're telling them off, whatever. Are the words asatvic words? Yeah. What the person perceives is irrelevant because it's not, doesn't matter what that person perceives of you. Yeah, that's being egoistic. Am I doing the right action, the spiritual action? Am I saying good things, positive things? Yeah, just, just, I'm just touching upon that speech you said, yeah? But as far as this is concerned, how do we do this? I think as we go through this verse, it'll be self-explanatory. Arunabhan, could I ask you to read paragraph one, please? Your mic's uh, still off, by the way. The fifth yajna is the yoga of self-control. As in the previous verses, this yajna also has the two constituent factors, that of ahuti, offering, and the kindling of the fire. The ahuti in this yajna refers to the functions of the organs of perception and action, indicated by the words Indriya karmanya and prana karmanya. When these functions of perception and action die away, self-realization is kindled. This is the yajna of yoga of self-control. Here, self-control envisages the mind's withdrawal from all worldly functions while directing it to your union yoga with the self. As you move towards the Supreme Self, as you gain union with the Self, your extroverted activities of perceptions and actions fade away. Thus, in moving towards the Self, you offer these physical functions as ahuti, kindling the fire of self-realization. Thank you. So how do you do this? The knowledge of the Self. As you gain knowledge of the Self, you become wise. What do you understand as you gain knowledge of the self? Anyone? As you gain knowledge of the self, what do you understand? Yeah, Vanita, what do you understand? That you have to leave behind all the worldly things um, to attain self-realization okay. in all aspects of yoga. Yeah, good. What else? Anybody else? As you gain knowledge of the self, what happens? You you get more happiness. You're not um, what's the right? You're not affected you're not. by what happens externally. So you're focusing internally. You know where you're going. Why That's are you not affected? You're detached. Detached. Your desires are less. You're not creating more desires. It's the desires that cause you the problems agitations the more desires the more agitations in life so as you gain knowledge of the self you understand the true nature of the world you understand the true nature of yourself you understand the goal of life as you gain knowledge your real personality you're not this body mind intellect i'm the self everything is brahman 
as we covered in the last few verses, the world is a superimposition on Brahman, therefore an illusion. The world is an illusion. So you start to understand this. So as you understand this, what happens, the result of this? You're less interested in the world. You're less interested in fulfilling your desires. You're less interested in getting involved in things. And the less interest you have results in more peace and happiness. You're mentally calm. You're happy. You know what everything about life is all about. You see all these people running around trying to get faint, fulfill their desires. And you think, what a joke. You start understanding this. Therefore, yoga of self-control comes from wisdom. Wisdom comes from the knowledge of the self. So, it's a journey. Any questions? Does that make sense? Does that make logical sense? Yeah. We study Vedanta with logic and reason, not whatever I say you believe. We have to question if it doesn't make sense. So that's how it happens, yoga of self-control. Another way of explaining it, when you gain this knowledge, what happens to you? You become more introverted. If you are introverted, you're closer to the self. Does everyone understand the word introverted? The opposite being, what's the opposite? Extroverted. Extroverted. Worldly. You are then further away from the self. Yeah, that's easy to understand. The more introverted, the closer you are to the self. The more extroverted, the further away from the self. And if all of you analyze yourself, your own personality, you'll find most of you are relatively introverted in different percentage. If you're not introverted, you cannot come to this class. It's impossible. So the more introverted you are, the closer you are to the self. So what we're doing in the world, we're receiving stimuli from the world through our five organs of perception. It reacts with our mind and intellect, and then we respond back to the world. We're constantly receiving stimuli from the world, constantly. Right now you're listening to me and looking at me. These are stimuli. The response is based on your vastness. If you have a vasana for that stimuli, then you will respond. If you don't have a vasana for that, a desire for that stimuli, you won't respond. Correct? Does everyone understand? The more desires, the more response, the more extroverted you are. So the more desires, the more response, more extroverted you are. Less desires, less response, more introverted you are. That's the explanation, introverted and extrovertedness, as far as Vedanta is concerned. The more desires, the more extroverted. The less desires, the more introverted. 
And this knowledge teaches us to reduce our desires. Why? We can become more introverted. Wimbledon coming up. You have a vasana for tennis. You'll get excited. Wimbledon coming up. Must try and go and see a match. No vasana. Then what happens? What happens? Ravi, no vasana for Wimbledon. Nothing. You don't get affected. There's no connection, is there? I'm not into tennis. Two people hitting a ball. What's the big deal? No response. You see, that's the difference. Extroverted, introverted. Response based on your stimuli. But then World Cup crickets come. Oh, where are they playing? I need to go and see it. See, you have a vasna for it. Therefore, there's the stimuli, you respond to it, and you react to it. So, if extrovertedness is controlled, meaning your desires are controlled, introvertedness is kindled. This is what this verse means. Desires are controlled, then intro introvertedness is kindled. Yeah, Ravi. Uh, Shamila's question is, obviously, if you don't have a vasana for it, but you want to experience, like you just want to go and experience one match, how what does that mean? Is that an unmanifested vasana? That's, that's like half a vasana, yeah? You're curious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like tennis or not. You know what? I'll go and check it out. <laughs> that's a good one. Is that okay? <laughs> so you don't know if it's a fully blown bus, no? Because you've never experienced it. So you go and check it out. So it's in between zero, no vasna, and you know, there's a mild stimulus reaction. Roman, could you read paragraph two and three, please? This verse uses the singular of fire, agnau, whereas verse 26 uses the plural of fire, agnisu. The yoga of self-control here is singular in the sense that with self-control, the mind directs itself away from the worldly actions and perceptions to the supreme self within. However, in the preceding verse, there are five self-restraints referred to which correspond to the senses. These self-restraints can apply to the hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, or touching. Hence, it is referred to in the plural. The yoga of self-control arises out of wisdom. As you grow wiser with the knowledge of the self, you become united with the self. You become one with the self. You have risen above involvement in the functions of the organs of perception and action. Thank you. Any questions? This is the yoga of self-control. So does that make it more clearer? It's basically as you gain more wisdom through the knowledge of self, you control your desires, you reduce your desires, you become more introverted. You have less interest in the world. In, that's, that's basically what it means. Yeah? So. If we take the example of, let's say, going to Wimbledon, yeah. never having been, yeah. just to see, you know, everyone talks about it, it's meant to be a big thing, mm -hmm. so you take, say, okay, fine, I want to go. 
Now, if you go and then that vasana is then kindled and you, you develop a vasana and you say, man, that was so good. I've got to go next year. You're actually, you know, on the one hand, you're saying, I'm boring. I don't do anything. Yeah. yeah? On the other hand, you're thinking, well, you know what? Everyone talks about it so much. Let me go and experience see what it's all about. You can either go and end that perception by saying, I went to a match, it was great, that's it, yeah? Mm -hmm. But it could ignite another desire. Yeah, absolutely. And, and say, yeah, I really like it. I want to go to another match and another match. And, you know, you ignite that spark mm -hmm. within, which is what happens all the time. You sometimes, you know, have no interest in anything, but all of a sudden something happens and you're like, yeah, I've, I need that, I want that, I've got to do that. So what's the question? So the question is that if we're talking about self-control, yeah, not only are we trying to reduce the desires we've already got, these new desires can pop up at any time. Absolutely. And and that 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 means that actually if we if we're thinking about being scared of um not wanting to ignite new desires. We're just going to become really boring and do nothing because we've got this fear. Okay. How do you answer that question? When did that come? You take us, I can't answer it. You answer it, right? So your vastness, you come with them anyway, right? So there has to be a proportion time and a place to have that vastness fulfilled. Um, once it's done, it's up to you then if you want to cut it off or you know you've been once you've had the experience do you do you need to go again that's when you decide but you come with those vasanas it's just that it's not manifested along this part of the journey and then suddenly it is the right time the right place Wimbledon's come so it's manifested uh, if it's very very strong and you can't control it you're going to have to go through that vasana because it's with your baggage of crap that you come with um once it's done, it's, that's the decision where you decide what you want to do. You've experienced it. It was amazing and you had a good time. What is it that's drawing you back? Is it because you now have developed a stronger vasana to go again? Or is it that, okay, I've, I've done there, I've done it, I've been there, and I feel great about it, but I don't need to experience it again. So what Vanita is saying... You're creating more vasanas. You reminded me, Vanita, what I wanted to say. You gave me thinking kind. Last verse, we covered... What did it say? Perception. End perception with perception. So as uh, um, Ravi just asked question, I have a desire to go and experience it. When you go to experience it, yeah, Shamila, you go with the idea that I'm not gonna increase my desire for that. So when you go there, you, exp you, ex you um, enjoy the game, you eat the strawberries, you enjoy the atmosphere, yeah, you take in everything but you make sure you end this perception with perception, don't linger on that enjoyment, then you're in control of that desire. It won't increase into a further desire. Let me go and get more tickets. Yes. So that's the, that's the, that's basically how you do it. You end perception with perception. So enjoy the experience to its fullest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and don't linger on it. Don't linger on it. I had a lovely day. That's it. Yeah, The thing is, if you don't go to Wimbledon, 
and you don't experience and you have a vasana for it, it's going to eat you up because everyone else is going and you're getting left out and then it's going to make it stronger and stronger. So if you have a desire for something, it's not saying I'm going to stop myself and not doing it. I'm, bo- I'm going to be boring about it. It's what you can control. Like yeah. you said, that perception is there and your vasana is there with it. You have no choice. You're going to have to go with it. Exhaust it, yeah. You can't. You don't have the strength, the intellect strength to control it. The mind for that vasna, the, the vasna is more powerful than the intellect. It's such a strong vasna. You have no, no choice but to exhaust it. Otherwise, it'll agitate you if you're in a if you're if you're able to control it fine if you're not then you have to exhaust it but end perception and perception go with that thought this is for anything by the way yeah the any desire new desire you go and experience remember end perception and perception don't linger in that feeling of oh what a lovely day i can't wait to go again you know, who's playing next week? Oh, I've got to go and see that. You know, then you're lingering. That desire will be ignited again. Yeah, Vinita? Yes, then you're, you're not, you haven't got control of this, this, the senses, isn't self-control. it? Self-control. See, this verse is saying self-control. So you need more knowledge. You need more knowledge of the self. Then you become stronger and you're able to control everything. So actually, that question explains why we need yoga of self-control. Enjoy, but don't indulge. The world is there to be enjoyed. We're not saying go and rent a cave and live in the cave. Yeah. If you rent a cave, you're stuck with the rental. I don't know how much a cave would cost these days with the rental prices, but anyway. Okay. Any other questions? So everyone clear on that? Yoga of self-control. Control your organs of perception, organs of action. Control your desires. Become more introvert. Verse 28. Dravya yajna stapo yajna yoga yajna stapare Svadhyaya yajnana yajnascha yataya samsitav rataha dravya yajnastapo yajna yoga yajnastatapare svadhyaya yajnana yajnascha yataya samsitav rataha yet Others, again, offer wealth as sacrifice, austerity as sacrifice, yoga as sacrifice, and ascetics of rigid vows offer study and wisdom as sacrifice. See, these uh, verses are so cryptic. When you translate it, even then you can't understand what it means. Yeah, because it's, it's the kind of English they use. So that's why we have to... Decipher it. Neelam, could you please read the paragraph one to three until Drava Yagnia? When an individual makes contact with the world, three distinct transactions take place. One, receipt of stimuli from the world. Two, reaction within the inner personality. Three, response to the world. 
Stimuli from the world reach you through the organs of perception. Having done so, they react with your mind and intellect. Depending on the reaction, your mind and intellect send responses back into the world through your organs of action. Verses 26 and 27 cover the first two components of action, receipt of stimuli and reaction to them, respectively. Verse 28 moves to the third component of action, response back to the world. This verse presents four types of responses as four yagniyas. The yagniyas of wealth, austerity, yoga, and self-knowledge. These four yagniyas group all service and sacrifice into four categories, graduating from the gross to the subtle. Thank you. So verse 26 and 7, 27 we covered, 26 last week and 27 just now, dealt with the receipt of stimuli. Yeah, we perceive the world, we receive the stimuli within. Then it reacts in the mind and intellect, we said, Wimbledon, to go or not to go. Yeah. Verse 28, this one deals with the response back to the world. So we receive stimuli, it reacts in our mind and intellect, and then we respond with the organs of action. So the response back to the world using your organs of action is the ahuti, the grain, the ghee. And we discuss what is kindled. Yeah. Does that make sense, everyone? Organs of action. How do we respond back to the world? So this is split into four yagnias. Six, seven, eight, nine. Whoever's got the diagram. The yagnia. Uh, um, Ravi, is it, we easily put it back up again? Give me a second, I'll bring it back, sorry. Yeah. So this is the next four yagnias. Wealth, austerity, yoga, and self-knowledge. So these four yagnias group all service and sacrifice that we respond to the world into four categories, advancing from the gross to the subtle. As well, when Rory just puts it up, we'll uh, understand. Next four yagnias. How do we respond back to the world? There you go. So we just covered number five, yoga of self-control. Ravi, number six, go to number six. With a... Now we're gonna cover, how do you respond back to the world? It reacts in your mind and intellect, how do you respond? Wealth, austerity, yoga practices, study wisdom. What do these things, what do these mean? This is what we're going to cover. Thank you, Ravi. Neelam, could you please read Drava Yagnya, Yagnya of Wealth? Drava literally means grains. In ancient India, possession of grains meant wealth. Thus, Drava Yagnya denotes a gift of material wealth. When you give your wealth to another, your wealth decreases and the receiver's wealth increases. Your wealth is the offering, ohuti, and his wealth is the fire kindled. Thus, this constitutes another yagnya. So, first yagnya, drava yagnya, yagnya of wealth. Dravya means grains. In the olden days, wealth was measured by how much grain you had in storage. Not money, how much grain you had. 
So Drava Yagna means gift, giving a gift of material wealth. In our case, it could simply mean money, giving money. When you give some of your wealth to another, what happens? What happens? When you give your wealth to others, you share a little bit. Your wealth decreases and the re receiver's wealth increases. Whatever amount it is. So, yagnya of Drava yagnya is your wealth is the offering, the ghee and the grains. The receiver's wealth is the fire kindled. You worship that. In this context, that's what it means. So this is one response you give back. You help others by giving your wealth. The, your wealth is the offering, the fire is kindled, you worship that. The other's receiver's wealth is the fire kindled. You're give, you are giving away to someone not as fortunate as you. This constitutes yagniya number six. Any questions? This is the first yagnya of responding back to the world, service and sacrifice. Yeah, so. So if we're thinking about using our organs of action, because you're mm -hmm. saying that yeah. this is from the giving back to the world and we respond back to the world with our organs of action. Yeah. So in this, in this contents, giving money, is that using just my hands? Because hands can be take or give. You can say using hands to give, yeah, that's fine. But that's not exactly what it means. It means response back to the world with whatever organs of actions, yeah? Okay. It, it's irrelevant what organs you use. Okay. It's not specific to that, so don't think in that way. Oh. It's just a response back to the world. How can I, see, when you're um, spiritually developed, your idea is service and sacrifice. How can I help? Yeah. Normally, that's your response. How can I help? So the first way is wealth. I'll help, I have a lot of money. There are people who need money, I'll help them. Yagnya of wealth. Is that, does everyone understand that? Okay, next yagnya, yagnya of austerity. Nilam? Dapo yagnya, yagnya of austerity. Dapas means austerity. It signifies sacrifice of the body. Physical sacrifice is superior to material sacrifice. Parting with physical needs and comforts is greater than parting with material wealth. The ahuti here is your body itself. With it, you kindle the fire of the recipient's material or physical benefit. This again symbolizes another form of yagnia. In drava yagnia, one merely parts with material gifts. Whereas Dapo Yagnia envisages physical exertion, service, and sacrifice on the part of the one who gives. For this reason, Dapo Yagnia is considered a subtler sacrifice than Dravya Yagnia. So, Yagnia of austerity. Dapas means austerity. In this instance, it's the sacrifice of the body. Physical sacrifice, basically, that's what it means. Your neighbor is not well. They all have COVID. You help them by going shopping for them, maybe cooking for them, helping them in which, whichever way they need, yeah? 
You're giving your physical body, your time, your comfort. Yagni of austerity. You're using your physical body to help someone. The first one is wealth. This one is the physical body you're, you're giving, using to help. Your neighbor's having a party. Shilabin, your neighbor's having a party. But you're not invited. But you still offer to make a dish for them. Yodnia of austerity. Let me help you. You have a lot to cook. I'll make this for you. Even though you're not invited. Sacrificing your physical needs and comforts is considered greater than parting with material wealth. So therefore, yodnia of austerity, you helping others physically, is greater sacrifice than giving wealth. Yeah? Anyone can give money. But giving your, pers your, your physical personality, your help, yeah, it's greater. Subtler. So the oblation here, the fire, in the fire, is your body. What is kindled is the perceiving, the person receiving material and physical benefit. So you are sacrificing your body. And what is kindled is the other person receiving your material and physical benefit. This is Yajna number seven. Don't worry too much if you don't get it. Just understand physical actions are greater than wealth, giving wealth. Any questions? Arunabhan, is it clear? Yeah. So we're going for these four. As we go along, it's more subtle. What else? What can be better than giving your time, your physical time? That's the Yajna of yoga. Yoga means spiritual practice. Material and physical services are great, but far greater than these is service rendered to enhance others' spiritual evolution. Yoga, yoga signifies union with the self. Yoga yajna means rendering emotional and intellectual service for the promotion of another's spiritual development. You offer the uhuti of mental and intellectual service to kindle the fire of another's spiritual evolution. Yoga means spiritual practice. Is a far greater service than wealth and physical sacrifice. It is a service to help others evolve spiritually. Yoga, as we said earlier, indicates uniting with the self. So, yoga, yagna means giving emotional, intellectual service. Yeah, I know it says giving. Uh, uh, spiritual knowledge, it doesn't mean that in our case. It means giving emotional and intellectual service. That's the offering for the development of another's well-being. The offering is your mind and intellect, your wisdom, is what is kindled, another person's spiritual development or well-being. You can also interpret date, this as giving emotions to someone or intellectual help. Manita. It's what you're doing for us, isn't it? That's what the yoga of yajna. Yeah, yeah. 
someone in your friend's family has passed away. They don't want money. They don't want your physical, you don't, they don't want you to make a dish or your physical help. They're in a bad state. You go and sit with them, help them, console them, give emotional support. Yeah, far greater than the other two. This is higher than giving wealth or physical help. You're giving them your emotions. It's draining. Hence, it's higher. Does it also include education and that sort of thing, parting with wisdom, teaching others something you've learned? Of? And so you've seen my notes, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll continue. You might deal with sorting out the funeral, dealing with flowers. That is Zagnyab austerity, the earlier one. You're giving your physical help. That's more gross than Yagnya of yoga. Emotional help. You see the difference? Yeah. You teach your neighbor's child maths because you know maths. You have the skills to do so. Far greater. My younger brother, Sunil, is an accountant. He does my tax returns every January. He sends me a note, you have to pay this much by this date. I've never asked him to do it for me. He uses his knowledge of accountancy, his intellect to help someone else. Far greater intellectual help. Emotions and intellectual help is far greater than wealth, yoga of austerity. So the offering, ahuti, is your mind, emotions, and intellect, your wisdom. What is kindled is another person's well-being. Hansa, was, did that answer your question? Yes. Great. Any questions? Does that make sense to everyone? Last one. Yagniya of self-knowledge. Um, can you read that last paragraph, please? This yagniya is the highest form of service and sacrifice. The sacrifice of ignorance into the fire of wisdom. Ignorance in the form of vasanas, unmanifest desires, is the ahuti. It kindles the knowledge of self or wisdom. With the destruction of vasanas, knowledge of self arises. This is achieved through ascetism and rigid vows directed to study of the scriptures, contemplation, meditation, and realization of the self. When a person reaches the supreme state of self-realization, he radiates self-knowledge, peace, and happiness. He communicates the self to all beings. No human being can perform any greater service than this. Communication of the self is far superior to the material and physical, emotional and intellectual services of the above three yagniyas. A realized soul turns into a fountain of wisdom and bliss. He helps others to gain self-unfoldment. He gives, as it were, the self to others. Such a gift is indeed far greater than any other conceivable gift. Svadhyaya yagniya. 
Swadhyaya, Jnana, Yogna. Yogna of self-knowledge. So this is the highest form of service you can do. The sacrifice of ignorance into the fire of wisdom. So, how to become self-realized? Your vasanas, your unmanifest desires, is the offering. It kindles the knowledge of self through wisdom. I'm explaining the technical part of it, yeah, before I get to the explanation. This is achieved through self-discipline, rigid vows, directed study, directed towards the study of the scriptures, through contemplation, meditation, and it finally leads to realization of the self. Ascetic, the word ascetic means becoming introvert, a determination to reach the self. So in a nutshell, what this means, the greatest service you can do is study, reflect on what we learn here, gain knowledge of the self, knowledge of your true personality and become self-realized. That's the highest, you may sound selfish. How am I serving others by me studying and learning this knowledge and becoming self-realized? How does that help others? Don't worry about that. This is the highest act you can do. Because as you become more spiritual, as you become more understanding, as you become self-realized, you're communicating that knowledge to all beings. You become a beacon in society. Everyone looks up to you. Everyone benefits from your wisdom. And through wisdom, they gain peace and happiness, relatively. They may not go and study this knowledge, but your words helps them. So even if you have not reached a state of self-realization, learning Vedanta, learning spiritual uh, scriptures, giving this knowledge to others to help them develop spiritually, this is the highest form of service and sacrifice that a person can do. Why is the sharing of this knowledge the highest form of service? Anyone? This is a deep question I'm asking. Dharmesh. It's a selfless act. Selfless you act? Open yourself. Okay. What else? When Medita? you help, sorry. Go on, Dharmesh. You're not thinking of yourself. Yeah. You're thinking of others, and when you're thinking of others, your ego is not in the way. Okay. But you can say that by giving wealth. Your ego is not in the way. I'm helping others by giving some wealth. I'm helping others by giving my time, my intellectual services, my emotions. No ego there. You're helping others. Why specifically this knowledge? This knowledge? Benita? In others. Because you're igniting a thought for somebody else to go on a path of uh, self-realization, even if it's just a thought, you plant a seed, isn't it? And that will create a path for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nilam, what did you want to add? No, I was just thinking about how it is so subtle. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, there's something, I, I can't actually express it, but something about how subtle it is and that's why it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Very good. Is it also about um, demonstrating? So like putting on your, as you know, the saying about putting on your own mask before you help others. So if you're actually doing this or you're being it constantly, 24 seven, then whatever of the senses that you're exuding to any other being, it will automatically be done using those senses within the right context. Yes. You're approaching, you're approaching people's needs with your understanding and knowledge of the higher. Yeah, I think that's what you mean. And so you, you may use your organs of perceptions and actions, but you're conveying something higher to them. Don't worry about that. It's okay. In the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so using that higher knowledge. Yeah, so. Is it that... If we're thinking about self-realization, it's realization of the truth. Mm -hmm. So if you're helping somebody else to realize the truth, you're taking them away from something that is unreal yeah. to the ultimate reality of what is real. Absolutely. And no, yeah, so. Yeah. You're, all about, you're all right, igniting a spark in them. You're all right, helping others, relatively in whichever state they're in. But the reason this knowledge is the highest form of service, besides what you've all said, ultimately, only this knowledge liberates you from this waking world, this illusion. Only this knowledge can liberate you from this waking world, which we say is an illusion. No amount of money, no amount of service, doesn't matter how much you give of yourself emotionally or intellectually. Only this knowledge can take you to the fourth state and others. So sharing this knowledge, you're helping others reach that state. It's like, no matter how much money you have, no matter what status you have in the dream world, when you're dreaming in the night, no matter who you are, King of England, Nothing can wake you up to the waking world in the dream. What can wake you up from the dream world to the waking world? The 4.45 alarm. When that rings, you then wake up from the dream world. Nothing in the dream world can wake you up. Only that alarm can wake you up. Yeah, or if your partner elbows you, <laughs> then you'll see, oh, it's only four o'clock. Let me go back to bed. I've got 15 minutes. But when the alarm goes off, you wake up. You understand? So therefore, from the waking world, the only thing then can liberate you from the waking world to the fourth state, the state of self-realization is this knowledge. This is the alarm clock. And you're helping others by ringing it for them. They may not hear it. Any questions? 
So this is the um, gross to the subtle of yoga of, where are we? I'm so confused now. <laughs> the, four, <laughs> the reaction back to the world. Receipt, reaction, respond. This is the full response you can give back to the world when you're on the spiritual path. That's it. Any questions? So, Another way of understanding this, I'll just spend a couple of minutes to address something while you're all here. A student, uh, one of the class members texted me and said, this earthquake in Turkey, we should donate something. So I responded back by saying, it's a very good idea, but you're talking to the wrong person. We need to speak to Ravi. I said, I don't know who donates, who doesn't donate. I don't know how much money is in the pot. I have nothing to do with it. So you contact Ravi. And then we sent 250 pounds to the Turkey uh, fund to help them, which is a great act. So the point I'm making here is that when you receive this knowledge, you cannot take it for free. Yeah? I don't charge anything for the service because you see why, we've just explained why I don't charge. It spoils the action, yeah? I want to keep my actions pure, but that doesn't mean you should take it for free. These are the four ways you can repay. Paying Ravi a donation is the easiest way of doing it. You don't have to do that. You can give any charity if you wish, or you can pay any, to anyone you wish or you can help someone else giving your time. Intellectual help, emotional help, but you have to do something in return. Otherwise it becomes, you become adept to you. So these, um, the reason I'm touching on this is because these four ways you can repay back for gaining this knowledge. Yeah. Like I say, you don't have to donate anything, but you have to give back. That thought of giving back has to be there for you. And that's for your own personal development. Yeah, is that okay? Any questions? Still, you got a question? <laughs> All right, great. Well, we will cover the last couple of yagnyas next week. And then we'll move on to the next topic. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a lovely Sunday. We'll see you next week.